0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am, spoiler alert, your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am super excited to welcome back to the show Dodgers writer on Substack, host of Inside the Ravine podcast, Blake Harris. Blake, welcome back.
1: It's great to be back, and I think we picked the perfect day to record because had we done this on Monday, I feel like this episode would have gone in a completely different direction. So it's a good thing we waited a couple days because there's actually some positives to talk about for once.
0: Absolutely. And we're recording on Thursday for our Friday episode, and the Dodgers don't play today. So, at least where they're concerned, things will not change in terms of their record, but you bring up an excellent point. The Dodgers bullpen, for those of you who have not been paying attention, has—but I'm sure most of you have—has been nothing short of a disaster. I also think a lot of you have, because so many of my listeners are, are Giants fans, because of the 49ers side. And as of the recording, the Giants have won 10 games in a row, including the sweep of the Dodgers. But the Dodgers bullpen has been kind of a disaster. Blake, you have pointed out also. <laughs> on Twitter and beyond, that the starting rotation has some issues too, just due to injury. But for the most part, they've kept it together. Bullpen has been a mess, but the last two games against the Angels, the Dodgers win two nothing. Bullpen has come in, done its job, but let's get into it. I had Heath Bell on the podcast last week, and he said something interesting about how the bullpen has changed so dramatically and how really you know every one of them is just doing so much worse than they have in the last few years and he talked a lot about matchups and how the Dodgers do a lot of matchups and that could take its toll but Blake I would like to hear from you what do you think has happened these last few weeks
1: that's a million dollar question that I don't even think Dave Roberts Mark Pryor and the entire pitching staff really have an answer for I mean. It'd be one thing if this bullpen was like a completely new looking bullpen than the one we saw last year. But for the most part, I mean, this is pretty much the same exact, you know, eight, nine guys that we saw in 2022. And for the most part, outside of Evan Phillips, every single guy that is thrown for the Dodgers out of the bullpen this year, and it's been a lot. It feels like there's been 30 or 40 different guys that have come out of the bullpen Mm -hmm. at some point. It just, for some reason, hasn't clicked. So I'm not exactly certain what up until this point hasn't been working for all these guys. I know people are maybe saying the pitch clock is playing a little bit of a role, but I think it's one thing if the numbers were down just slightly, this was a Dodgers bullpen who over the last couple of years is consistently one of the best in all of baseball. And this year they've essentially turned into the worst in franchise history last I looked before this little stretch it was the worst Dodgers bullpen since the team moved to Los Angeles and since like the 40s I think I, I saw a tweet it had been the worst bullpen since Jackie Robinson debuted in oh, the wow. 40s so I don't know what exactly has transpired over these last couple months but whatever has happened over these last three days I don't know if these guys are doing different morning routines I don't know if they're drinking different water I don't know if uh Maybe it has to do with what the wives are telling them in the morning, but whatever it's been these last three days, keep it up because it's been working.
0: BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code believe B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, and Heath and I talked about this last week, and I do think that there is something to this, that some of it could be mental. I mean, I do think at a certain point, especially for a pitcher, when you go in and you're blowing it night after night, then... It gets in your head. And I don't know, like you said, what has happened the last couple of days. They've definitely been more the bullpen of old. I thought it was kind of interesting for Tuesday night's game. Clayton Kershaw, of course, per usual, pitched a gem. There were a few things that happened in Tuesday night's game that I found interesting. A, Clayton Kershaw gets, gets to go into the seventh inning. He gets into trouble. Dave Roberts lets him stay in and get out of it. And he did get out of it. So then they have seven incredible innings from their starter. Of course, it's Kershaw. But I was I kept expecting Dave to come out and take Kershaw out. But he left him in there, which I do think as a Dodger fan, as someone who follows it, that's it's a little bit of a departure from what we've seen. But he let him work through it. And he did. Then you have Caleb Ferguson come in. You know, he does well in the eighth. You have Evan Phillips come in. He does on the ninth. And I just think you saw a little bit in that game. It felt a little bit like Dodgers of old, if that's a good way to put it. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that in terms of the mental aspect as well. Now for Wednesday night's game, you're going to have to fill me in a little bit because I was at a birthday. And so I was paying attention to it through my phone and saw as each pitcher came in and got out of it. But how many guys, how did it go on, on Wednesday night in terms of how many innings everybody had?
1: Yeah, first going back to Kershaw's outing, I was also blown away that Dave let him finish the outing because I think he was like over a hundred pitches, you know, he loaded the bases. Once he loaded the bases, I was like, man, that's it. You know, someone's going to come in and try to clean up the mess. And then Dave just let him finish it, which I was blown away by, but that was probably maybe because Khrushchev told him in the dugout before the inning, like, Hey, I'm going to get myself out of this. Like, don't come and get me. Had it been any other pitcher, I think Dave come, comes and gets him. But I, I was very pleasantly surprised to see Kershaw get out of that himself. But, yeah, you go to Wednesday and – Actually, or, really
0: quick on Tuesday. Re- really quick. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, but this is me psychoanalyzing and having no idea. But I'm just – this <laughs> that's why you get to have a podcast. So that's so right. fun. I also wonder if a little bit is – if that's a little bit of a message to the bullpen. Like, you guys got to get it together because – look at what I'm doing here. I'm letting him run her pitches. The bases yeah. are loaded and I'm letting him say, in the game. I, you know, there's, I do think there's a little bit mentally in all of this.
1: Yeah. I mean, had this been the bullpen of last year, he probably thinks, yeah, I can rely on one of these guys to just get one out, but he's probably thinking, you know, I think it was Caleb Ferguson that was warming up at the time. He's probably thinking, sure. He could come in, you know, get out of the jam, but at this point I'd rather go down with the ship. And, you know, if Kershaw isn't able to get him out, He's not able to get him out. And I think it was also the ninth hitter in the lineup as well. It's not like it was Trout or Shohei coming up. Mm-hmm. I think it was the the very last batter, you know, in the lineup. So maybe that added just quite a bit to it. But I think Dave was probably thinking, my chances are probably higher with Kershaw at like 105 pitches, having to ready just unload the tank than having a fresh arm, which, yeah, it just goes to show the confidence level at that moment, which might be a little different now, two days later than it was a couple nights ago. But yeah, it turns out that was... That was the right call on Dave's end. And again, I, I'm just glad that we got to see Kershaw get out of it and get out of it himself because I don't think Kershaw would have been too happy if he would have been pulled and Caleb Ferguson would have come in and allowed a two RBI double. I think that would have put Kershaw in a very, very foul mood, which is something you want to try to prevent as best as you can.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's move to Wednesday night. I All right. So w- again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All good. So we have Wednesday night. Uh, they say the words bullpen game. And I'm I think everyone else is thinking, oh, no. You have a bullpen game. You're facing Shohei on the mound. This is probably not going to go too well. If you would have fast forward and you know told me the Dodgers would only score two runs off of Shohei, he'd pretty much strike out, I think, like 13 or 14. I think he allowed only one run. I'd probably say, I'm going to skip this one. But the bullpen, they come out, and everyone did their job. Nine scoreless innings. They allowed only two hits, which I was blown away by when I saw the box score. It felt like the Angels had a couple more hits, but they pretty much held everyone in check. And the only guy that actually got a hit was Hefo. So I don't even know where to begin because every guy that came out of the bullpen did their job. Bruce Star Gratterall. He opened the game. He actually went two innings for the Dodgers, struck out three, which is like I I want to say a career high as a joke, but yeah, that actually might be a career high for him in an outing with three strikeouts, and then. Every single guy that followed, they did their job. They were fantastic. I mean, I guess the only real blemish was, I think it was maybe Victor Gonzalez. He allowed a base hit that almost came into score, but then David Peralta had an incredible play in left field, throwing him out at home. But outside of that, the Angels pretty much couldn't get anything done against this Dodgers bullpen. And... I was blown away. I was pleasantly surprised. Alex Vesia had probably his best outing of the season. They've mm-hmm. let him finish his outing. He struck out Mike Trout. And again, for a bullpen that has had so, so many downs this season, we've, we've had glimpses where they'll have a couple of innings where they'll look solid, but nine innings and the fact that every single guy looked good. I mean, it's tough to really not want to get ahead of ourselves and say that they're back. This is going to be the turning point because, you know, obviously it's a very, very small sample size. But yeah, if you go back to Sunday's game, that's now 14 consecutive scoreless innings from the bullpen which I don't know if that's a season high but it certainly feels like anything above four or five innings would have been a season high with the way things have gone
0: oh absolutely and I think there's something to be said for you know we're still pretty early in the season we're in June there's so long to go and I think there's something to be said for Dave Roberts I mean they had no choice but to have a bullpen game but I think right now I think part of his managerial duties is also managing confidence and yep. confidence levels. And he's early enough in this that, and he knows he has a talented enough team that he can do that a little bit. And I think we saw, you know, a couple of years ago with Kenley Jansen, where he had a really, really bad week. Unfortunately that really, and the rest of the season, he really pitched so well, unfortunately that really bad week probably cost them the division and potentially yeah. the NLCS and everything else because of everything they had to go through. but you know, he still brought him in night after night because it was July and that's who he had. You know, and you got to manage confidence at a, at a certain point. So I feel like that's a little bit where they are. So I have a couple other pitching questions and then I want to move to the offense because I think the offense, because of all the bullpen woes and the, the pitching injuries in the rotation, the offense is probably getting overlooked a little bit, but they're not exactly lighting the world on fire either. But we'll get to that in a minute. Question for you. Blake Trinan. Is he ever coming back?
1: That that's another great question. If they've been, I, I have no idea because this whole Blake Trinan timeline has kind of like made no sense. I mean, even last year the Dodgers were very odd when it came to the whole trina thing like i think when he originally got hurt it was like okay yeah he'll miss probably a week or two and then he came out and it was like oh no he's gonna be out for a couple of months and then he comes back at the end of the year and then it turns out he significantly hurt himself again and mm-hmm. it's like okay what's gonna happen then i think he undergoes the off-season surgery and there's like talk yeah, he'll he'll be back probably by September or there's other talks where it's like, yeah, he's most likely going to be out for the year. So at this point, I'm just not even buying any sock into it because I'll kind of believe it when I see it. I'd like to think maybe he'll be back just because they haven't officially ruled him out. Like I think the other day, Alex Reyes was officially ruled out for the season. So maybe if they can do that with him, they could do it with Trinan. So I'm holding out hope, but not much. I'll maybe give it like a, 10 to 20 percent chance we'll see him at some point at the end of the year but yeah the whole Blake Trinan mystery and like I don't even know where he is because at least with all these other guys on the Dodgers 60 day IL, like you see Gavin Lux in the dugout you see Mm -hmm. Walker Bueller he's at Camelback he's building his arm back up there's been like no Trinan sighting I don't know where he is I don't know if I don't know if he's in Arizona at Camelback I don't know if he's in Los Angeles I don't know if he's back home I don't know where the guy is there's been no update on him so yeah, the Blake and mystery, it's going to continue for at least a couple more months.
0: So Walker Bueller, as long as you bring him up, first first of all, I love the tweets. They're so- Fantastic. I find them so funny. The Yishas are absolutely amazing. And what I also really like about that, and I think you know, everybody has different personalities, so this is like not a knock on anyone else at all, but I just like the fact that he's staying really engaged and he wants to be engaged. I think that does something for a team and for morale. And I know he has said he wants to be back in september that's his plan i believe unless i have that correct i have that wrong but that is correct right
1: yeah i think the the latest he said i think uh when he talked to the the media a couple of weeks ago i think he even said september 1st is like the day circled on his calendar which that's kind of low-key coming up soon so i'd be very right. down if he meets that timeline
0: Yeah, I'm all in on that timeline. I love that journey for him and for all of us. So he goes back September 1st, but I just love how engaged he is. Gavin Lux has been like that as well. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Gavin in a minute. Uh, Julio Urias, that timeline also keeps getting pushed. He's going to have to have a couple rehab starts. I don't believe those have happened yet, though, right?
1: Yeah, the first rehab start is going to be this Sunday in Rancho. And they pretty much said if he comes out of that one feeling great, he might be able to rejoin the team like a week later, I think, when they're on a road trip in Kansas City. But I think if you know he's not able to go the distance, he might meet, might need to make another. But as of right now, I mean, it sounds like he's probably about seven to 10 days out from returning, which the rotation, they could certainly use him back in the rotation.
0: They certainly could. And then Dusty May, I he, I'm trying to think of his timeline since it was one to two months, let's say two, just <laughs> based on how things go and also because they probably don't want to rush that one though that one concerns me a little bit because he was coming off pretty major surgery and so that one concerns me a little bit so then i guess we see dusty may again august september
1: yeah i think the earliest he's eligible to like come back i forget when exactly they put him on the 60 day il but i think it would be like maybe a week or two after the all-star break and i think about a week ago dave said Around this time, I think it was supposed to be this week, maybe next week, they're going to get the results back from whatever results they need. Like Hearing all these different terms, I just kind of zoned them out because I don't understand any of them when they're getting all these tests, they're getting all these shots. I'm like, okay, I I don't understand any of that. I'm not a doctor. But it sounds like they should be getting some sort of test back soon. And I guess if those come back clean and positive, Dustin May is going to be able to pick up a baseball again. He might be able to start throwing so I guess when you think about the timeline, if all goes well, I think probably early to mid-August makes a lot of sense because it's not as simple as he can just throw a baseball, he can come back. He's got to throw a baseball, he's got to stretch out, he's got to throw bullpens, he's going to have to do rehab assignments. So definitely kind of stay tuned over the next week or so whenever these results, again, whatever the results are, if they come back, if it's a positive thing. He'll be picking up a baseball. He'll be throwing. Like I said, I, I think probably early to mid-August, assuming all goes well, uh, that's when he should probably be able to return.
0: See, it's just like Brock Purdy. It's not just about being able to throw. <laughs> it's also getting getting ready, but uh, right. so it's a lot of similar conversations. So I want to talk about the trade deadline, but we're going to do that later. Now I want to go back to the offense, and I'm going to start by bringing up someone we just talked about, Gavin Lux. And I think the loss of Gavin Lux on this team is huge, which we knew. But I don't know if people really understood how big that was going to be because this was the guy who was going to be the everyday shortstop. It was finally going to really be, I think, his chance to be an everyday starter. That was going to be his position. He brings a lot to the offense. Losing him was kind of devastating for this team, not to be dramatic, but it really was because now you have a little bit of a shortstop by committee. I think that can affect an offense, even though obviously... I'm talking defense there, but I think that can affect an offense and having that presence in the lineup. And Gavin Lux had turned himself into a bit of a clutch hitter over the last season or so. So we think that is something that is affecting this offense, maybe more than people even realize going into the season.
1: Yeah, I mean we're 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 learning, you know, how much of a blow it's been at the time obviously, you know, it was horrible news and you're thinking, man, what what a blow for the Dodgers, but we've kind of seen just how crucial and valuable his bat would have been to the lineup. Obviously, you know, he wasn't like an all-star caliber player last year, but looking at his numbers, he had an OPS plus of 108, so he was slightly above league average, and the Dodgers I think would give anything to have a league average bat at shortstop this year because Miguel Rojas he has been heating up as of late but he has been a really really poor bat Chris Taylor he's had his spurts but he hasn't really been the bat he's been in years past and it's also really hurt the Dodgers depth because Gavin Lux was going to be your everyday guy you brought in Miguel Rojas to be the guy that you know gets the occasional start every Mm -hmm. week gets maybe some late defensive innings but they've had to turn to him more than they would have liked and same with Chris Taylor Chris Taylor's value is when you can put him anywhere in the field you could put him in left field you could put him at third base shortstop second base i think when you have chris taylor kind of penciled in as an everyday guy to certain position i do think it hurts his value quite a bit so yeah not only did the dodgers lose a really solid bat in their starting lineup it just kind of really impacted a lot of other guys and all these other different you know playing time configured you know in shortstop in left field and yeah it's i didn't think it would have as big of an impact as it's had but yeah, it, it's been just a massive, massive low. And I I, I don't think you're being dramatic when you said it's, it was devastating. One, just for Gavin Lux, but I really think it was devastating for this Dodgers lineup because they did take a massive, massive hit when a lot of people weren't expecting Gavin Lux to really be missed, I think, as much as he's been missed.
0: Well, and I think them having him in their head, having him at shortstop also made them comfortable losing Trey Turner. Because exactly. if you go back to that Scherzer-Turner trade, Turner was in many ways at the time, and I always felt this at the time, the more important part of that trade because he could be around longer. And they knew they were mm-hmm. going to lose Corey Seager. So Trey Turner becomes a replacement to Corey Seager. Now, I know Trey Turner had said early in the season the Dodgers really never offered him a real deal. And and I do think he wanted to be back on the East Coast and all of that. And and who knows what what the thought process behind every. Buddy's thoughts were the thought process by everybody's thoughts is a really eloquent sentence, but I think <laughs> it did make them more comfortable losing him because they had Gavin Lux came up in their system. They love bringing guys up through their own system and they felt confident. So then now that changed a lot of things and, it definitely has affected this lineup, which you'd had a tweet the other day that said, you know, if they're not hitting home runs, they're not doing a lot, which is not untrue. And even a Wednesday's night's win, it was two solo home runs that were the difference in the game. One from the great Freddie Freeman, of course, and one from Miguel Vargas. But this lineup is hurting. I mean, really hurting. Freddie Freeman and Will Smith have been spectacular. Mookie's been struggling. I mean, you can never, ever... I would never criticize Mookie Betts because I think he is perfect in every single way. So this is in no way a criticism agreed, but he is struggling a little bit at the plate. I have no doubt he can turn that around, but he's still Mookie. And so he still, is like so valuable in every single way, but he is struggling James Outman who rookie of the month in April really looked like he was going to be this who rookie of the year is really struggling the plate Miguel Vargas did have the solo home run Wednesday night, but before that, I think was what two for, thir- I mean, I don't even know two for 32 for 33. I mean, it wasn't, they yeah. weren't great, not great numbers. Uh, a lot of struggles you talked about Chris Taylor and yes, he has spurts and Muncie has had spurts. Of course, Muncie now hurt. So there's just, the offense is part of the problem too. Now in fairness, to the offense over the last several weeks, there have been games where they, they, um, score 10 runs and then lose the game. Cause the bullpen has been so bad, but, The last week or so, the offense has had issues as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone's been kind of talking about the bullpen, how bad they've been, the stride and rotation, how bad they've been. But yeah, over the last week, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's kind of goes on a longer stretch than I was expecting. The Dodger offense has been very, very quiet. I mean, for the most part, I mean, they only scored, what, four runs in this Angel series. You shouldn't really win a whole lot of games, let alone two games, by only scoring four runs. They were very fortunate that the pitching absolutely shut things down because going back essentially to the White Sox series, I mean they scored what five, four, five, then five, zero, three, a couple two. So they haven't scored, even going back to the Philly series, they haven't scored more than five runs in a game since June 10th. So it's been almost two weeks. Yeah, like you said, kind of everyone outside of really Freddie Freeman. Even even Freddie Freeman, I think, you know, he was kind of going through that little spurt. He was struggling. The bats have just gone really quiet. And yeah, I was talking about it the other day on Twitter. The Dodgers, I, I think, I don't know where they stand now. I remember a few days ago, they mentioned on the broadcast, but the Dodgers lead all of baseball in percentage of runs scored via the home run, which I know a lot of people like to think, yeah, the, the Dodgers rely on the home run ball. Personally, I think that's that's a big red flag because if you're not hitting home runs, it means you're not scoring a whole lot of runs. And like you said, you know, both the Dodgers runs last night came courtesy of solo home runs. They had nothing else going for them. So if the Dodgers aren't hitting home runs, which they haven't been doing recently, I think, again, prior to Freddie Freeman's home run last night, I tweeted this as well. I think the Dodgers had gone something like 44 consecutive innings without hitting a home run. So it's not really a coincidence that while the Dodgers hadn't hit a home run in 44 innings, the offense had gone ice cold. So that does concern me at least moving forward because... I'm old school, I would much rather have the Dodgers score five runs as there's five or six doubles, guys are hitting sacrifice flies, guys are button guys over, I would much rather score five runs that way, as opposed to a couple of three run home runs, just because if you're not hitting the home runs, as we've seen, uh, things can get pretty, pretty, pretty quiet uh, for guys at the plate.
0: Well, and I think that's been so much of the problem in the playoffs the last couple of years is they can't, yep. they're runners and they're... Oh, for whatever with runners in scoring positions or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's been the kind of the mess that has been the playoffs. And I, you know, I think a couple years ago, as we kind of mentioned that 2021 season, by the time they got to Atlanta, they were just gassed. But yeah. nonetheless, like manufacturing runs to me is the key to winning in the playoffs and winning in the world series. And that's something they've so struggled with and they're struggling with here on the regular season. So it's going to be interesting to see. So let's let's talk a little bit of trade deadline before we look, you know, briefly at this weekend series against the hated cheating Houston Astros. Um, <coughs> but the trade deadline, August 1st, you know, it'll be interesting to see over these next six or s- weeks or so, because yes, a small sample size, as you said in the beginning, but if the bullpen is somewhat back, and they can be relied on, it changes the trade deadline dramatically because at this moment, it feels like if they really want to compete in the playoffs, they're going to have to, as you have said before, gut the farm system and get some relievers in there. They could probably use another rotation arm, but that will, of course, depend on Dusty May and how does Julio Urias look? And is Walker Bueller really going to be back September 1st? I mean, these are questions that will be answered, I would imagine, in the next six weeks. But then in terms of offense think they may need another bat,
1: yeah i've I've been kind of pushing this, you know recently now. I know I yeah, I did the tweet the other day saying the Dodgers are probably going to have to gut their farm system. If they want to acquire bullpen help, but that's not necessarily the case because Daniel Hudson he'll be back in a week. Jimmy Nelson he might be back in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, I forgot about Jimmy Nelson. That's good.
1: Yeah, right for his I think third or fourth stint I think with the Dodgers. (laughs) But yeah, like the Dodgers they are going to be getting reinforcements back. Obviously, if like Dustin May comes back, there's someone else you can maybe push to the bullpen. You know, with Julio coming back, maybe there's someone else you could push to the bullpen. So I don't think it's as you know doomsday as I kind of made it out to be a couple days ago. I think the Dodgers. I would be okay if they, you know, acquire a high leverage arm. But again, if guys start turning things around, I don't think they necessarily need it. I do think, though, they could use another bat, maybe like an outfield bat, just because I do think the Dodgers offense could desperately use someone else. Because at the moment, outside of Mookie, JD, Freddie, and Will Smith, you're not really getting a whole lot of offense from anywhere. Maybe David Peralta, he's, you know, turned things on as of late. But if David Peralta is the next guy you're having to count on and nobody else, uh, things could be a little grim for the Dodgers so yeah I I definitely think they could use an an additional bat now I I did want to save this for you because I really thought you would like this okay and this this may be just completely out there this may be just the hottest take out there that anyone's ever come up with but the Chicago Cubs as of right now are five games (laughs) out of the wild card they have a couple of pitchers that could be really useful for the Dodgers. Obviously, Marcus Stroman, I think the Dodgers could use another starter. There are some pieces in their bullpen that they could use as well. But what if, just what if, the Cubs decide, you know what, we're not going to be a wild card team. Let's try and sell. The Dodgers could put together some package for a starter or for a bullpen piece and, also, att- and also attach Cody Bellinger to it. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Like you said you know, before we started the show, has been struggling kind of as of late. But I think the Dodgers could use him in center field. No offense to James Outman, but we've seen the defense hasn't been quite what we've been used to with Cody Bellinger. His bat has pretty much fallen off. David Peralta, obviously, he'll be an everyday guy maybe in left field. I think the Dodgers maybe could use a center fielder again. This might just be the hottest take ever that maybe goes nowhere, but I don't think it's too far fetched. And I don't think the price would be as high as people think just because again, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Maybe the Cubs want to get some sort of prospect for him. So maybe we get a Cody Bellinger return. I, I I think it's fun thinking about, and I I think there is a above 0% chance that it can happen. It might be a one or 2% chance, but that's better than zero.
0: Well, I actually I actually don't think it's that hot a take, and I will give you two reasons why. A friend of mine who is a Cubs fan, I remember tweeting when I was, of course, devastated by Cody not being on the Dodgers anymore, literally devastated, uh, but tweeting, don't worry, my friend Jeff Dini, he's awesome on Twitter, but he said, uh, don't worry, we'll trade him back to you when we're <laughs> 20 games out of first uh, next season. And when he said it, I was like, Let's speak that into existence. And then I actually put in my Instagram story the other day, a picture of Cody. It was after the giant series, a picture of Cody in his Cubs uniform and said, please come back and please bring Marcus Stroman with you. Okay. Thanks. Yes. Uh, so I think I actually don't think it's completely far fetched at all here. The, I believe the wild card in all of that is going to be, are the angels serious? Are they really not looking to deal with because I, if I'm the Angels and you know he's not coming back next year, I would want to get something for him. Yeah. So are they really not going to deal Otani, or is that just a tactic? Because if they are willing to deal Otani, I think the Dodgers obviously go all in on Otani, which means. I don't think that affects Cody, but it does affect Marcus Stroman and possibly a bullpen guy in Chicago. Now, if the Angels are serious and they don't want to deal him, then I actually really don't think it is very far-fetched because I feel like that's a possibility that could help everybody. I mean, the idea of Cody returning after the show, I mean, I don't even know what I would do. The excitement
1: level. (laughs) Right. I,
0: I, I don't even know. I would be so excited as everyone who's listening to this podcast and follows me on social media knows. Like... So excited. The number of reels, TikToks, and posts that I've done to make sure everybody knows that Cody still is my favorite baseball player. I mean, and then, and so I think, Blake, you're not like so active on Instagram. So Mookie has moved up to number one on the Dodgers because he was my second favorite on the Dodgers. And then I did an Instagram poll and had people vote who was my number two because I one night went to the game. Mookie wasn't playing and it wasn't like I wasn't rooting for everybody, but I was like, uh, Who's my favorite today? So I did an Instagram poll and had people vote whether it should be James Outman or JD Martinez. And um, it was a tie. So I broke the tie at Outman <laughs> mainly because I thought he'd be there longer. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, right. So I thought it was a safer bet. But listen, if Cody comes back and Mookie's got to move back to two and James Outman just falls off for the rest of the season, everybody will be fine.
1: It's fine. a sacrifice that is, you know, that you are willing to make. And I appreciate that.
0: I am. And I think everybody else is willing to make it too. Well, I'm really glad you brought this up because I would love that. And now we are speaking it into existence and I just love the idea of that happening. And I do think Strowman is a real possibility. Again, Otani kind of is the wild card in this and kind of changes everything. But I mean, cause I think they're going to have to give up like the city. If the angels yeah. are willing to deal him. I think they're also going to have to give the angels like a key to the city the farm system like all of it everybody right and like, like everybody Agreed. in the world, and and then they're also going to have to make sure and I think they're going to have to figure this out beforehand if they do it that they can sign Otani to a long-term deal because you do not want to give up the world for Shohei Otani and then have him not come back next season it's yeah not no, the I, Max Scherzer trade <laughs>
1: I, I completely agree and I with Otani I thought the Angels should have traded him last trade deadline when I mean th- th- if they traded him they could still get a haul But I think they could have gotten an even bigger haul just because at least you would have him for a season and a half. It is a little risky. Like if you're the Dodgers, if you trade for him and then for some reason he opts to not sign. But I do think it's a benefit because then you can you know use those couple months to kind of persuade him and show why he should be here. And yeah, if I'm the Dodgers, whatever the Angels ask for, and then some if they want, you know, 20 percent ownership in the parking lot, if they want Dodger dogs at Angel Stadium instead of Angel Dogs, like you give it to them. And If I'm the Angels, like unless when the trade deadline rolls around, unless you're like, one game out of the wild card because obviously you know you got to go for it, like you got to try to win the World Series. But if if they're like five or six games out by the time August first rolls around, which they very well could be, I like you got to be real with yourself. Like you're not going to overcome a six game deficit in the wild card standings. And you could probably, I don't know how how loaded their farm system is. I don't think they're one of the better ones, but you could essentially get anyone and everyone you wanted from the Dodgers if you called them and said, "We're going to trade Otani. Give us your best package." And obviously, you know it's tough to tell the fans that we're just going to trade them, but like. like, Like you have to be real. He's probably not going to re-sign. So would you rather have him walk for nothing or would you rather add three or four top 100 prospects, redo the farm system, then a couple of years when these guys are potential studs, you can look back and say, yeah, we made the right call. But knowing the Angels, they're going to hold on to him. They'll probably miss the playoffs by five or six games. And then (laughs) Shohei will walk uh, or he'll drive, you know, down the freeway to Dodger Stadium and leave the Angels for absolutely nothing
0: which would be fine because yes. <laughs> that would mean in my in my opinion and maybe yours Cody Bellinger, Marcus Stroman and maybe a bullpen arm will be on the Dodgers and then Shohei Otani will come next year and I like this is the most perfect team I've ever seen in my life.
1: It's just like the dream scenario, the dream world. Cody Bellinger returns, he's good again, Dodgers win the World Series and then a few weeks after the parade they sign Shohei Otani. Like give me this world, give me this uh, this multiverse. I need it.
0: That would be a, that would be amazing. It would be kind of incredible. Like they basically sent Cody to Chicago to get his head right, turn yes. things around, and then it's like send, sending him down to AAA, but not. <laughs> all, like while a, spe- a all
1: while spending both. less money to do it. Yeah. Also,
0: yes, all of the things. Um. All right. Well, this weekend, the as I mentioned, hated cheating Houston Astros, very different team right now, but still coming to town. Both team. I mean, the teams are pretty after the giant series, I was like, Oh my God, the Astros are going to destroy them next weekend. But then I looked at the Astros and I was like, well, they're really struggling too. So they have a series. I'm sure Altuve will get booed beyond that. I don't even think there's anyone left on that team uh, from, from 2017, but it's an important series for the Dodgers because no matter how much the Astros are struggling, they're still a very good baseball team with a lot of talent and it would be a huge series for the Dodgers to win, to really that would really tell me that perhaps the ship is turning around.
1: Right. I mean, obviously the Astros—they're surprisingly, you know, not as good as they've been in years past. But it's kind of like the Dodgers, where it's like the sky is falling for the Dodgers—they've been so bad, but they're still eight games above 500. It's kind of the same right, with right. the Astros. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, they've been so bad this year, but they're still seven games above 500. Yeah, I think like it's Altuve and Bregman those are the only two that oh, Bregman's are still
0: there okay so he's, yeah
1: those yeah. are the only two I think they're left standing but I'm sure Altuve will you know get the boos for all those guys there and yeah it's going to be a fun series obviously it's going to be a really 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 fun environment at Dodger Stadium for these three games and you know the Dodgers they have momentum they're riding this two-game winning streak obviously they're going to be a little more fired up than you know if this was the Pirates or if this was the Reds coming into town so I think it's going to be a lot of fun and again although it's not the Astros team we've seen in years past, the Astros that won the World Series last year—it's still a really good team. This is still a team that's probably, in my guess, going to be a playoff team when it's all said and done. They're probably going to be fighting for a World Series title, and these are the games that you wake up for. These are the teams that you really want to beat. Obviously, with the added history, the Dodgers are going to be a little more incentivized. But anytime a playoff caliber team or maybe even like a World Series caliber team comes into t- into town, you want to give it to them. You want to win. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and uh, I will also be booing from my couch. Every time Altuve and Bregman are up at the plate.
0: Totally fair. I will be there on Saturday and I am generally not a fan of booze. I actually really don't like booing, but under the circumstances, I will definitely have to boo. I mean, I even booed when Carlos Correa was here uh, playing the twins or playing for the twins. So, you know, I can't, I couldn't help myself on that one. That one, I can't let it go. But Blake, this has been absolutely fantastic. Please let everybody know where they can find you on social and beyond.
1: You guys can find me on Twitter at Blake H Harris. Like like Tracy said, I don't really use Instagram anymore, so maybe don't uh, don't find me there. But yeah, on Twitter, that's the best place. And like she said, inside the ravine is the Dodgers podcast. So whenever you're done listening to her podcast, because that's number one, that's the number one priority. Maybe okay. head on over there, listen, listen over there. And all my writing is on Substack, BlakeHarris.substack.com. A lot of a lot of Dodger articles, a lot of more positive Dodger articles uh, this week than we've had in recent memory, because there's been there's been quite a bunch of negative ones but i'm glad we can finally have some positive articles to write about
0: fantastic you guys we are brought to you by fivo we are brought to you by bet online you guys know you can find me on twitter at tracy fgsn on instagram at tracy sandler and guys i'm gonna be this episode's coming up friday but thursday night at the dodgers foundation gala so make sure to head over to my instagram so you can see all the pictures and videos it's going to be a really fun night and ushers performing i'm very excited and by the time you listen to this i will have had the best night ever uh if you like what you heard and i know you did please leave us a five star rating very please leave us a positive review and with that i'm actually going on vacation and i will be back in two weeks so i'll talk to you guys then when the dodgers have regained first place bye all